the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hey there, this is Jen Bryant. Welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. Well, it's the beginning of June when this is being recorded, and we are at the very beginning of summer vacation. Some of you mamas may be juggling schedules, driving to and from summer fun or practices, putting lunches together. It's just a whole nother season of busy. And if we're not careful, we can get overly busy and a little bit exhausted if we don't take time for ourselves. Maybe some of you are planning vacations or trips to see family. I know that we're headed to California at the end of July to see my sister who just had a baby, so we're excited about that. Actually, if you've been listening to the Practical Family Podcast, episode 53 is all about my sister and her pregnancy. It's called When You Don't Feel Like a Natural Pregnant Mom, and Jacqueline is about 22 weeks when we record that, and she shares about what a rough pregnancy she had and how God brought her through it. So go ahead and listen to that when you have time, and then when I visit her this summer, we'll be recording another episode about her experience in childbirth and as a brand new mom, so you will not want to miss that. Speaking of summer schedules, I had the privilege of being on Jennifer Buell's Facebook Live last week. We talked all about summer schedules and how committing to not overcommit to summer schedules is actually a really good thing. Now I say this after I just finished putting together our calendar and looking at the entire month of June was kind of overwhelming. I mean, it's just that Chloe's got theater, Asher's got summer fun, and they're almost every day in June. But it's just for a short period of time, and those are the commitments that we chose. But anything else outside of that right now in this season has got to get a no. So listen to mine and Jennifer Buell's interview on her Facebook page. That's Jen Buell, J-E-N-N-B-U-E-L-L. She is one of my favorite mamas for talking about motherhood, single motherhood, and her Facebook group, The Spunky Moms Club, is one that you'll want to join as well. I'm super excited about today's interview, actually, because it's the first time that I've had these ladies on to the podcast, although I've been working with them for quite a while now. Amy Carroll and Sherry Gregory, who are a team of podcasters and currently produce the podcast Grit and Grace Girls, good girls breaking bad rules. And because Amy and Sherry have been doing Grit and Grace Girls for at least a couple of years now, they have written a book together called X. Hail. Lose who you're not, love who you are, and live your one life well. As two self-proclaimed recovering perfectionists, Amy and Sherry tackle head-on the lies that keep women from being who they truly are. But before we can become who we are, we need to kind of let go of the things that we've been holding on to. So exhale is about just that. Learning how to exhale, to let go of things that we don't need and take on our true identity in Christ. Now just a little bit about our authors before we get started. Amy Carroll is actually a speaker and writer for Proverbs 31 Ministries and she's also written a book called Breaking Up with Perfect. Excellent. I definitely recommend that one as well. She lives with her husband Barry in Holly Springs, North Carolina. Sherry Gregory is a frequent speaker, co-author with Kathy Lip of the books You Don't Have to Try So Hard and Overwhelmed, and she's also a contributor to the Encouraged Devotional Bible. She lives with her husband Daniel in Central California, and both ladies have two grown children. So let's jump into the interview today with Amy Carroll and Sherry Gregory and learn about how you can exhale to find the real you. 
first of all, let's talk a little bit about what types of perfectionists we tend to be. What have the two of you brought to the table as you've come together to write this new book now called Exhale, Lose Who You're Not, Love Who You Are, and Live Your One Life Well? I'll let Amy go first because she's the Enneagram one. (laughs) (laughs) Which I have a lot of angst about, by the way, because at first I heard it was, it meant that I was a reformer and I liked that. And then I heard it meant that I was a perfectionist. I was like, no, that's what I've been trying to deal with all these years. But um, Sherry says that I'm an adult onset perfectionist because I grew up in a very loving, very nurturing uh, home with lots of unconditional love. My particular type of perfectionism didn't happen because other people were heaping expectations on me and I took those on. It really is just so wired within me. One time I had a friend that asked me and said, what is the worst thing that perfectionism has done in your life? And I said, it has ruined my relationships. So for me, the battle against perfectionism really started. I didn't even understand that I was a perfectionist until I started to have a series of relationships that fell apart because of the expectations, not only that I was heaping on myself, but on other people as well. Wow, that's a big thing right there. And we could talk for days on that. And you've actually did have talked about it in your own book, Breaking Up with Perfect. Get that book, folks, because that will uh, introduce you to a whole nother realm of perfectionism that you may not have considered. And I'm so glad that you shared all that, Amy. The expectations we put on people, our friends, is huge. What about you, Sherry? The more that I live life and the more that we've done our podcast, the more I realize that um, I am certainly a perfectionist, but the, the goal of my perfectionism is people pleasing. I'm not one of those people that actually feels better if everything is lined up perfectly or if the towels are all folded just the right way. That doesn't give me, I don't sleep better because of that. I sleep better when I know that people aren't angry with me or aren't upset with me or aren't disappointed with me. So all of my years of trying to get the A plus plus and, you know, being the teacher's pet and, you know, trying to never make mistakes and to always get positive attention, but never, never, ever, ever get criticism. Like criticism crushed me for so, so long. But all of that was in search of belonging and being loved and uh, receiving other people's approval. So it's, it's still perfectionism. It's, you know, where Amy says that it, um, it hurt her relationships with other people. What I'm having to really face and learn now is that the people pleasing I did hurt my relationship with myself so that I never really knew who I was. I was constantly shape-shifting. You know, one of the things I realized is like in high school especially, it's like I changed identities in the hallway between classes. If I was taking seven different classes, I was seven different versions of Sherry. I knew exactly who to be in each class. In one class, it was the front row, raise your hand. In another class, it was the back row, shout out the answer. In another, you know, I knew who, to, who, I, who wanted to hear from me. I knew who wanted me to stay quiet. I was constantly accommodating to be who others wanted me to be, but never really becoming clear on who God created me to be. And of course, since I was not honest with myself, that meant I couldn't be honest with others. And so it still ended up hurting my relationships with others, which is what I thought I was trying to preserve. But since honesty is the foundation of relationships, it still didn't work. Gosh, I see so much of myself in both of you for different reasons. And even just real briefly, my own story. I mean, I'm, I'm a church girl. I grew up kind of like Amy did. And 
raised in church and therefore, you know, the righteousness factor kind of was always the top priority, right? <laughs> Doing it the right way. I saw a really funny sign this week that I tagged you both in on Instagram, actually. And, and uh, one of our other writer friends, oh my gosh, I need a sign for my house. It says, I'm not really a control freak, but can I just show you how to do it the right way? <laughs> <laughs> and as much as I don't want to admit it, like, I think that there's a right way to do things. And it, there's really not, but, but I function that way and I go along life that way because, and, and I think I, I've attached it so long to, well, you know, there is a standard. There, there is a standard. God is the standard that we got the Bible. He's given us instructions for living. We have all of these things necessary to get life right. I started Practical Family with the idea of, you know, there, there are right ways to do things. There are, you know, we have practical, we can take practical steps, have practical tips for how to live life simply, mm -hmm. which is a good thing, right? So we're all trying to help people to live better. But where I find that most women, mamas get tripped up here is thinking that they have got to get everything right and be everything to everyone in their lives. Mm. What I want to ask you two to, to chime in on in this conversation is how have you seen your tendencies to be perfectionist people pleasers affect your own family's relationships? Well, it was funny because you know, you saw my correction today that I responded to your meme. And what I meant to type was, where has that sign been all my life? But what <laughs> I typed instead was either a typo or a Freudian slip. And I said, where has that sin been all my life? <laughs> That was amazing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw Jennifer Luke Duke's Lee comment, and so I went to see what she said, and then I reread mine and was like, oh, my heavens. But it is so funny, and that was where I got to at the end of my first book is perfectionism actually crosses over from a true righteousness into sin because it is taking um, – taking all these things and putting these boundaries and parameters and guidelines and standards on them that are, I say God plus or Jesus plus, you know, that these aren't, these aren't things that have anything to do with our relationship with God. Like Sherry talked about folding. She doesn't need to fold the towels, right? I really need to fold the towels, right? And I need you to do it right too. <laughs> so it was that crossover into sin in my life that, started to destroy my relationships. Sherry, did you have anything to, I'm sure you don't have any of that, you know, sin tendency, right? Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> you know, the, the nice thing about the, uh, I'm an Enneagram too. Uh, that's going to be the helper. And that just sounds so nice and sweet until you realize that the other name for the helper is the meddler. <laughs> And, you know, one of the things that has been hard for me to face is the fact that, uh, well, I, well, I used to be, I used to be so proud of not being a helicopter parent. Uh, I wasn't hovering over my children. And then I read an article a number, a number of years ago and discovered I'm a snowplow parent. I don't hover because I go ahead of them and I clear the way to make things easier for them. And I thought I was doing, or at least I told myself I was doing it for them. And the sin that I had to recognize was, no, I was doing it for myself because I could not handle the pain and disappointment that are inevitable in life. So they're part of how we need to grow. And so if uh, one of my kids made poor choices or just struggled 
to do some necessary learning to become a more mature person. You know, things like learning patience and learning delayed gratification. I mean, that's hard for all of us. It was so easy for me to cave in or to just kind of soften the edges and soften the corners to think short term, like, let's just make it okay for today. Like I can't handle any more stress today. I can't handle any more sadness around me today. You know, tomorrow would be a better day for me to encourage them to be mature. Well, you know, you start adding up all those tomorrows and you have years go by and even decades go by. When I look back in retrospect, realizing that the impact of that people pleasing has actually been almost a spiritual developmental delay um, for my kids and uh, definitely have regrets from that. You know, one of the things I wanted to follow up with is that, Jen, I'm sure that you have a younger audience than your audience is probably younger than Sherry and I. So Sherry and I, full disclosure, we have both hit half a century. And so we have kids in their 20s. And the thing that we are seeing and processing together as we just a lot of times off the air is that for us and for our friends who have kids in their 20s, we have finally realized that there is no formula. And I think for those of us that are perfectionists and people pleasers, one of the things, the first part of our book, we talk about lose who you're not. And one of the things I want to release your audience with today that's not really in the book, but part of this conversation is you are not the formula keeper. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not your job as a mom. Um, Your job is to follow Jesus. That's it. So one of my prayers early on when God started breaking this perfectionism in me, and it wasn't until I was almost 40. So I'm so excited when we get to talk to younger women, like don't live in this for so long. Um, is that I started praying, God, would you make me completely righteous and not a bit self-righteous? And, you know, because righteousness, we do want to meet that standard. That is God's standard. It's the self-righteousness that requires the formulas that we're always trying to figure out. What do I, if I do this, then that will happen. And, you know, in this broken world and in God's economy, it just doesn't work like that. Well, if there's no formula, then we might as well end this podcast right now because <laughs> we're looking there are some best practices. <laughs> I'm so glad that you said that, Amy, and that you connected it right back to the righteousness because that's the misunderstood circle I think a lot of us find ourselves in, especially those of us who are so dedicated to our kids' education, let's say that we even choose to sacrifice our career or whatever to homeschool them. Our audience is made up of a lot of homeschool parents. I know that each and every one of them knows that the choice to homeschool was not necessarily going to be an easy one. They're willing to travel that road. They're willing to sacrifice up themselves. But I think in the effort of all of that goodness, but to do it with such great intention that we forget about the actual relationship and it becomes more about the doing the Mm. to-do list the checklist i know i certainly become a slave to my own checklist in an effort to give my daughter structure Mm -hmm. it ends up breaking our relationship at times and i sacrifice the that connection for efficiency And I can't do that anymore. I, I need that truth to come back to, that grace to come back to that tells me, look, you can only do so much in a day, okay, in a week, in a month. So let's talk about what it could feel like to exhale <laughs> when you chose to call your book Exhale, Lose Who You're Not, Love Who You Are, 
and live your one life well. Let's go through those pieces. Uh, Amy, you mentioned that a minute ago, the losing who you're not piece. What do you wish for the young mamas today to lose who they think they need to be? Well, I mean, we have lots of things in the chapters of the book. And it's interesting because just to share with listeners a little bit of the evolution of the book, when I came to Sherry with the idea, I really, all I was interested in, it was the live your one life well, which is not a surprise to anybody who knows me because I'm a doer. So I'm like, how do we do this? And Sherry was just so full of grace. And she said, Amy, if we talk to perfectionists and people pleasers and we say, hey, this is how you live your one life well, they will add and add and add to their list and they'll fail again. We all have to go through a process. If we want to live our one life well, the first thing we have to do is lose the things that we're doing that we're not called to. And so, um, and gosh, that list can be really, really long, right? Especially for moms. And so I think um, what Sherry wanted to have is that first step is so wise is before we we add things, we have to subtract the things that we're doing that we were never called to. Sherry and I talk a lot on Grit and Grace about living an examined life. And that is hard in this busy world because usually we just do the next thing in front of us. So if I could encourage young moms to do anything, it would be to spend time with God each day, even if it's five minutes, there is grace for you in this season with, with young children. Even if it's five minutes and just, just sit in some quiet and ask God, like, what is my assignment today? And what's on my calendar that's not my assignment today? You know, one of the things that I look back when my kids were younger, I just kept adding and adding and adding things to my calendar and to my plate because I saw that other people were getting approval for doing them. I wanted approval. Ergo, I must do what they do. And I kept getting accolades as being such an overachiever. And I finally had to realize I'm not so much of an overachiever as I am an overattempter. I was constantly starting new things and, you know, joining new things, but a lot of them didn't get finished. And so they just left me kind of rushing around, kind of pretending to be these different things when I really wasn't. And so if I could turn back time, which I can't, so the advice that I would give is to really do an inventory of the things that are on that list, that are on the calendar, the things that you've started, the things that you've joined and process it. Why? How did this get on your list? And if it is something that rings true, if it really is who you are, then that's one matter. But if it's something that you're not, if it doesn't represent, I mean, the number of things that I joined or started that involved details and organization, which Jen, you know, because you've been working behind the scenes, you know that while I am capable in certain circumstances of causing some organization to occur, I'm not naturally organized, right? You know, I mean, it's just not who I am. And so for me, at one point in time, for example, I was in charge of finances for a MOPS type group. Well, that was bad. I'm not organized. I shouldn't be in charge of the finances of something. That's, that's a wrong choice for me. 
And so to realize it's okay to lose who you're not, because otherwise we end up with all of these different identities. We talk about them as hypothetical lives, like I, I have to be this way and this way, or, or being all things to all people, which is a scriptural concept, but the way we women live it out is not biblical. That is not what God means. He doesn't mean we need to, to be wearing two dozen, three diff dozen different hats all at the same time. And that's actually where we came up with the concept of live your one life, the one life God has given you, not lives that, that are all the expectations from other people or from social media. You know, this is something Amy and I didn't, and we talk about this, we didn't have the pressure of social media when we, we were um, young moms or moms with younger children. We didn't know what the Joneses were doing. At least it wasn't coming into our homes on our phones or on our screens. And so I think that's one of the sources of the pressure that we feel like women are so, so much under is the comparison to other people rather than doing what Amy said, listening to the Holy Spirit as the one and only true authority in our lives. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a key commercial announcement. The Practical Family Etsy shop is now open. Yeah, we have new printables available just for you. If you're a homeschool family and use the Classical Conversations Foundations Guide, the new weekly sheets are here for cycle two. They are fill in the blank and are available for both print and cursive handwriting practice. As a Practical Family podcast listener, you get to use a special discount code. Just enter PFPODCAST19, all capital letters, and get 25% off your cart when you purchase our digital prints. Use the link in our show notes to get to our Etsy shop today. Thanks for listening. Now back to the interview with Amy and Sherry, authors of the book Exhale. That, above all things, is the very thing that uh, a perfectionist and people pleaser is, spends her life trying not to do. We don't want to disappoint the people we care about. Like, disappointment is like death. And yet, what I sense God saying is, I need to disappoint people from having so much authority in my life. And so I literally shared this on Sunday morning with the women at the retreat. And I said, I'm going to send you all home to go home and disappoint people. I want you to disappoint your children. I want you to disappoint your husband. Now, let's be really clear. I wasn't saying don't cook them dinner tonight, okay? <laughs> you know, if you've, if you've been planning a party, don't say, oh, I'm coming home and disappointing you. That's not, that's not. <laughs> the point is where is our source of authority, where is our source of identity? To disappoint any human to whom we have given or who has taken too much authority in our life because the only one who should have that level of authority over us is God and mm. is our only source of identity. And he's the only one who deserves to have authority mm. because he knows us. He is the expert on us. He's that kind of authority. Um, he has all authority because he's our creator. He's God. And then he's also the author and finisher of our faith. And so I, you know, I had to realize I had been handing out all this authority to too many people. And the solution to that was to consciously dis appoint people in my own head. I'm not like walking around saying, hey, I'm going to disappoint you today. That would be socially awkward. <laughs> but to realize it in my own head, and it's been so valuable. Like I got, a, I got some feedback today that was not altogether positive. And so literally as I'm reading this note, I'm thinking to myself, I am disappointing this person. Now I still want to learn from the feedback, 
but I'm going to disappoint them from having undue authority and influence over how I see myself. Right, right. I see it as a picture of taking them off the throne, basically, mm. like like how we idolize things mm. or give, yes, it's exactly what you said, giving them too much authority. I have found that in the younger uh, days of my marriage, probably the first seven or so years of my marriage, <laughs> then you get to that seven-year itch and you're like, oh, wait, who am I? <laughs> I found that I was doing it in my own marriage. Like as much as I love my husband, I want to, and, and I want to honor him. I was giving him mm-hmm. too much authority. Of course, he's the head of my house. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, we, I need to honor and respect the, the roles that God has given mm-hmm. us. But, but I was, I was still seeing myself sort of here. Like I was mm-hmm. still not good enough unless Bruce approved of every mm-hmm. single decision that I made. And that wasn't as biblical as I thought it was. That was, I, but I was lifting it up as sort of a pseudo righteousness in a way. Mm-hmm. I find that there are a lot of those even communication issues that tend to come out when we are so worried about people pleasing in every respect, not just people outside of our family. Well, and you know, one of the things I can tell you from experience, and that is when that kind of covert people pleasing is done over decades. You know, Daniel and I are celebrating thirty-one years this year. Somewhere around year 20 to 25, resentment and bitterness start to really boil over and they can really blindside a a good man. I'm not talking about the husband who's somehow being unreasonable or demanding, but if he doesn't realize that the authority has just been kind of handed over to him or doesn't realize what the thinking process has been, because so often we women, we live these lives in our head, but we don't tell anybody else what's going on. And so then when the bitterness and resentment starts coming out, they're like, what? I never said that. I never asked for that. I wasn't a part of that. And um, so then there's, there's healing that needs to happen all the way around. So nipping that in the bud and recognizing early on is so wise, so wise. And I think you said something really important, Jennifer, which is a lot of these perfectionistic and people-pleasing behaviors they masquerade as righteousness if you are within the church. And our our friend Lisa Whittle uses a term that I love, and she'll say that's God-ish. <laughs> you know, it's not really godly. It's mm-hmm. extra biblical, right? Um, or outside of what's biblical, but it does masquerade. And so um, I always say people... Uh, perfectionism served me very well into my mid thirties. I got, I got good grades and plaques on the wall to prove it. So I think sometimes we do have to reach a certain age before we start going, Oh, this is killing my soul by drips. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even recognize it, but hopefully um, your listeners will kind of start to have their eyes opened to it before it's so late in the game. Thank you for sharing that. That wisdom, that's exactly what we hope for in every mentorship relationship. I think that we are also desperate to have guidance, you know, and we want to know, okay, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Please tell me I'm doing this right. Mm-hmm. But what about, mm, sister, sure, you can do a lot of things right, but let's let's practice the letting go. Let's practice the, the being still. Let's practice the simmering and just settling with what you already have. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, like that when we get into, um, you know, things like consumerism, you know, the instant gratification, right? So we can be instantly gratified by the actions that we do that produce desired results. But 
what about just being content where we are, like with what we have? I know that I have a problem with that, especially when I see, oh, this new book, this new curriculum, this new option, this new strategy, you know, and, and it's like crack for homeschool moms to like oh, yeah. constantly buy books or even yard sale books. And, you know, yeah, I save money, but now I have all this extra stuff in my house, you know, <laughs> I have to make decisions about, you know, and, and it's weighing, it's weight, it's emotional weight. That's kind of the main thing I want. Um, the practical family community and listeners to hear that like what extra weight are we putting on ourselves that's mm -hmm. that's like like an elephant sitting on your chest and you mm -hmm. can't breathe and what can we do to just let that go and let that out so let's go back into your the book exhale the loving who you are part now what are some practical ways that we can start actually loving the person we already are instead of trying to be somebody else one of the controversial things that I suggest in the book, we do have a personality test. I'm a student of the personalities, love, love teaching on them. And one of the things that I suggest in the book is uh, once somebody's gone through and taken the, the personality test and figured out which of the, the four personalities they are, is to actually take post-it notes and cover up the section that talks about the weaknesses and to really spend some time focusing and processing the strengths. And the reason I do that is because with all the speaking that I've done through the years, I know from experience that if I ask the women to turn and share with each other one thing they've done wrong or one of their weaknesses, the, the room will burst into chatter like, and the volume will rise. But if I were to ask that same room of women to turn and share one of their strengths, you would hear crickets chirping like first of all, maybe we've been conditioned that it's, it's somehow pride to acknowledge that God has actually given us gifts to use to edify the body. But many of them can't even think of any like, or, or they'll be like, Oh, well, I, I guess I have this strength. And then, but, but, but then I have all the weaknesses that go with it. And so even if they acknowledge a strength, the first thing they do is they go to the weaknesses that they're trying to shore up. And so many of the women that are like the three of us, they, we, we just have this habit of constantly focusing on our weaknesses and trying to shore them up. Now, I'm not saying we should ignore them. I'm not saying we should be irresponsible. That's not my point at all. But to put time and energy into focusing on how God did in fact create us and really reveling in that and celebrating it and using it the way that he is, he's created us to do. And then if there are deficits, we can find workarounds, we can build teams to, to help us with those, but to really celebrate those areas uh, and, and love who we are rather than constantly focusing on, oh, I wish I was more like this. Oh, I wish I was more like that. Or just the, the, the downsides to our personality. You know, my friend Debbie Wilson, I, I quote her in the book. She said to me one day, women spent the first half of their lives thinking they're not enough and the second half thinking they're too much. And mm. I thought about that and I thought that's really true. Up to a certain point, I would think, well, I'm not qualified enough or I don't have enough education or I don't have enough experience or I don't have enough of this. And then you get to a certain age where you're like, I'm too old. I'm too irrelevant. I'm too, you know, and it's, it's a 
one or the other. And when we consider what the Bible says about us and how God looks at us, when, when we look at passages like Psalm 139 and the care that he takes in knitting us together or Zephaniah 3, where it says that he delights in us, you know, I think we really are doing a disservice to the image of God in us when we don't love who we are. I used to babysit for a little girl that lived across the street and her mother had cross-stitched a sign in her room that says, God don't make no junk. And so... (laughs) So just in case your listeners think it's just a Southern thing to use incorrect grammar, that was actually cross-stitch. And so it must be true, right? Um, (laughs) So I have a retreat too that I have women write down a gift that God has planted in them. And I started noticing women weren't writing anything. And I would say, and the one rule is is you are not allowed to keep, to leave this card blank because God don't make no junk. And yet our culture, and especially I think our church girl Christian culture says that humility means Mm -hmm. that we don't recognize the gifts that God's put in us, or it's selfish to think about these things, or it's too self-centered, whatever. Um, And so we don't honor what God has created in us and put inside of us. And so in the love who you are, we really try to unpack that, that, that like the, the painful things from your past, well, God uses my trials to train me and to be able to proclaim those things without shame because we've learned things there. Or um, another line that I wrote was um, God turns my quirks into perks. You know, anything that we have in us that seems like not normal or weird or not like the rest of our crowd that we're shape-shifting to fit into. A lot of times we hide those things, but sometimes those are the very things that God put in us to transform the world around us. So those are some of the things that we talk about. There are so many things that the world is missing out on if we are too afraid to step into who we naturally are. And that's what I love about this section of your book is the, the permission to embrace that because when we don't, it's like saying, God, you made junk and that's your fault or something. Well, it's freeing too, because if we say, wow, it's an insult to God for me not to live in the fullness of who he mm. created me to be, that really flips it, doesn't it? Because mm. none of us, those of us who love God, we don't want to insult God and to push his creation under a cover. And so it, it's freeing. So as we're coming closer to the release date of your book, Exhale, Lose Who You're Not, Love Who You Are, Live Your One Life Well, what do you hope that women are taking from the overall message of this book? Our desire from the very beginning is that we would move women from running on empty to spent and content. And a spent and content is for perfectionists and people pleasers because these are not, none of our audience are people who want to lay in perpetuity in a hammock on the beach. Now, don't get me wrong, a hammock on the beach sounds awesome for about a week, right? But we're doers. We're people who want our lives to have impact. We like to be busy. We want them to lay in bed at night 
having fulfilled the longings of our hearts. And I think for women who love God, we've got three main longings. The one, first one is we want to fulfill the desires of our hearts. Each of us know that we have something that we were made for. We want to walk into that thing. But we also want to love our people well and to really um, invest in the people around us, the people that God's given us and called us to in ways that are beneficial to them. And finally, but most importantly, is we want to glorify God. And Sherry and I started this book believing that most women believe they can hit one of those things or maybe two of those things, but there's no way that you could do all three. And we believe that's a lie. We believe that women can live out all three of those longings in their lives. One of the things that influenced the last part of the book was when we saw the cover and uh, it's got a dandelion that's in the process of being blown and these little seeds are starting to fly everywhere and we were so ecstatic and so this whole idea of becoming a seed sender um, is a dominant uh, thought in the very last part of the book and amy wrote so beautifully this image of a woman with her hands filled with these seeds and and blowing out and sending these gifts out into the world and so our hope is that women will see themselves that way, not as somebody who is stuck or trapped in the past, not somebody who so, um, has so many weaknesses that God can't possibly use her, but as somebody who's been released from being who she's not, who's able to really embrace who God has made her to be, and now is able to just really bless the world with freedom and with joy and to walk into the calling that God has given her, but then also to be able to uh, work with others and to be able to come alongside them and maybe mentor them as well. So our heart's desire is, I love how Amy said it, our readers are probably not women who are looking forward to spending the rest of their life in a hammock. When she told me that this morning, it's the first time I heard her say that, I was like... <laughs> Oh, a hammock. Yay. Oh, that would be terrible. <laughs> you know, like there's that, that instantaneous, oh, sounds great. Sounds terribly boring. Oh my goodness. Like I'd last like five minutes and then I'd be ready to move again. And so we are women who love to be doing, but we, we don't want to be human doings. We want to be human beings. We want to, our first and most re important relationship to be with God. And then we want our lives to be about relationships, not focused on results or rules. When a woman's primary relationship is with God and she knows who she is, she's lost who she isn't, she knows who she is, she's going to be able to, to take that out into the rest of the world and bless others with it and have fulfilling relationships. You know, Jesus boiled it down to two such simple but not at all easy things. Mm that we're to love God and love people. And really in the last chapter of Exhale, that's what it boils down to is exactly what Jesus said. Go figure. He was right. <laughs> <laughs> loving God and loving people. And sometimes, um, especially the loving people gets super messy and we have to learn how to do that. But um, that is the, the essence of Exhale. This is how we live our one life well. What beautiful permission from our Savior that that's all we have to do is love God and love others. And that fulfills everything, everything, because what he came to do for us was everything that we couldn't do for ourselves. And there's such grace and hope in that. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for being with us today. It was an absolute pleasure to hear your hearts behind this 
beautiful book that I've had the privilege of reading through already, and I can't wait for people to pick it up. So make sure that you get the book Exhale, Lose Who You're Not, Love Who You Are, Live Your One Life Well. It is live and available on June 4th of this year. Uh, any closing uh, encouragement for our readers today? Well, I want to brag on you for a minute, Jen, because you were part of another team with me, which was putting together small group guides and a leader's guide. And so I, anybody who's interested in doing Exhale in a small group, if you pick that up, Jen was a big part of that. Yay! So I want to thank her for that. Oh, thank you. That was a privilege to be a part of. It was exciting. Yes. Thank you so much. That was Amy Carroll and Sherry Gregory co-authors of the book Exhale, Lose Who You're Not, Love Who You Are, and Live Your One Life Well. Visit Amy at amycarroll.org or Sherry at sherrygregory.com. And of course, you have to subscribe to their podcast. It's called The Grit and Grace Girls, Good Girls Breaking Bad Rules. Be sure to visit us at practicalfamily.org, sign up for our newsletter, and catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. And don't forget about our Etsy shop. Thanks for listening. This is Jennifer Bryant, host of the Practical Family Podcast, where we are here to encourage you and your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Music.